Lies, through the storms, through the cries, and through the wars, oh, I still believe. I still believe. In the pick. Welcome to the pick, the movie podcast where every week one of us picks a movie, we talk about it, and at the end someone else picks the next movie. It's low concept, high fun. That's the power of the pick. It's all about the rules. We are your hosts, John Otney, Colin Westman, and Sean Lemmy. And we're talking Lost Boys, guy. That was the uh, that was the Saxman song. If you didn't know it, okay, right away. Yeah, I took my shirt off and oiled up just for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way to do it when you talk about this movie. Uh, I, yeah, I I read an interview with Saxman, and he oh, talked nice. about like he was performing so much with his shirt off that he said like the oil felt like uh, like his clothes to him. He's like, you put the oil on, and like that's that's like wearing the clothes. You know, yeah, it's so, pretty cool. It was so funny. I was like, oh, I wonder how how quickly it's going to take us to get to Saxman. We've just started. We're already talking about the Saxman. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were going to say that he thought it was like a crutch. Like people weren't really seeing the real Saxman beneath the oil. All they were seeing was the oil, and he just he felt boxed in by <laughs> by all the oil. No, this guy's pretty cool. He he yeah. was playing. He was touring with like Tina Turner, I think. Yeah, I saw that too. And it seems like yeah, he. This is just like this is who he is. Like who he plays in this movie is who he plays in his day to day life as a basically naked man just wailing on a saxophone, but also singing pretty well too. He's yeah, how powerful. many people sing and sax? Ooh, sing and sax, and sax. Cause you got Louis Armstrong with the trumpet, but sax? Yeah, that's a that's a whole other monster there. This guy is uh, well, of his own. I feel like it's kind of a secret that David Bowie could play saxophone. <laughs> like I don't know if he oh, ever yeah, did it when yeah, he yeah, when right. he performed live, but like a bunch of his songs have saxophone on them, and it's him playing like changes. That's him playing. I feel like I feel saxophone. like Bowie was also secretive about his ability as a pianist. Like he played piano on mm-hmm. all the albums, but I, I've never seen him actually play a piano except maybe in. Does he play a piano in extras? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Fat man who sold his dream. <laughs> Good stuff. But we're talking Lost Boys. You know, summers come to an end. It's the fall, so. I thought this would be a good movie to kind of bridge the gap between summertime and spooky fall season. So, uh, yeah. The 1987 teen black comedy horror classic, The Lost Boys. Oh, so many genres. I mean, I, that's what Wikipedia said, so that's what I went with. Teen <laughs> black comedy. I, I guess I'll that throw adventure sense. in there. Adventure, we're a teen black adventure comedy. Yeah, because there's, there's action comedies, and then there's adventure comedies. <laughs> like, Goonies is an adventure comedy, not an action comedy. Indian, oof, what's an action comedy, Sean? I feel like if it has kids in it, it's almost always going to be an adventure okay. comedy. <laughs> uh, but if it has adults shooting and killing people, it's probably an action comedy. Like okay, Rush Hour. so Lethal Weapon action comedy, uh, hook adventure comedy. Yeah, yeah. I think this stands up. 
Okay, that makes sense. Um, but of course, I also picked this movie because last June we lost director Joel Schumacher to cancer. He was 80 years old. And uh, even though we have done him before, I, I wanted to, to, to pay our respect to the king of sexy, cool action movies. Or in this case, uh, sexy, cool teen black adventure comedies. Because, uh, yeah, he's done a lot of really entertaining films. And I kind of think this film sums him up the best out of all the movies he made. Hmm. So, that's my personal take. I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen, uh, I don't know, DC Cab, maybe... <laughs> Maybe that's the true Joel Schumacher movie, or A Time to Kill. But I've I've seen this and I I love this movie. Um, you know I also didn't know uh, the cinematographer of this movie, uh, Michael Chapman, oh, died yeah. um, about ten days ago from the day we're recording this. So also pretty pretty recently. Oh, no. um, and if you're not familiar with the name right away, some of the movies he's shot include. Last Detail, Taxi Driver, Last Waltz, Raging Bull, The Bad Music Video, The Fugitive, the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, so he's worked with two Sutherlands, and uh, most importantly, uh, Space Jam. Oh, hell yeah. Guys, can you believe the guy who shot Taxi Driver shot Space Jam? (laughs) I don't don't know if I ever put that together, but, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, let's just go that. Let's just say it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I love that. Know, they're both visually striking uh, groundbreakers uh, with some very angry men uh, starring in them. <laughs> <laughs> no Oscar wins for this guy, though. Too bad. Hmm. You think he would have won for Raging Bull. It's a real shame. Um, but yeah, very talented. Does a great job in this movie. And we'll get to the movie in just a hot minute. But first, we got our little picks. This is when we recommend other things, um, you know, that you, the the listening audience, can enjoy in your own time. We can we can share these moments with you. And occasionally, we unpick things. Uh, is that foreshadowing? Are you uh, going to no, unpick? I'm just things? I'm just reminding people that we got that tool. <laughs> uh, what did you? It's in unpick? our back pockets. Uh, bon Appetit. Oh, yeah. Because some bad shit behind the scenes there. Yeah. I remember now. Okay, but this is not an unpick. This is a hard pick, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, hard pick. <laughs> okay. I'm building it up a little too much. So, uh, so guys, times are tough for the world. Mm-hmm. Times are tough for America. We're in a pandemic. Sure. We're in oh. what feels like a never-ending political shitstorm. Definitely. Protests, shootings. uh, It just seems like we're in disarray. So I've been looking for that Uh pick-me-up. You know, something to put a smile on my face. Even Uh if just for... Just (laughs) Yes, just like the Joker. Uh, You know, even if just for a fleeting moment. A little slice of happiness. And I found that happiness, guys, in uh, (laughs) the new Travis Scott meal from McDonald's. It's only $6, (laughs) you guys. (laughs) Guys, Travis Scott... Uh, A.K.A. Cactus Jack is loving it, okay. and uh, so now is, we can. Is all... this original food or is it just his favorite combination? So you don't even know about this. Oh, well, I've heard I've you, heard Sean. the phrase Travis Scott <laughs> meal, but I don't know what it means. So Travis Scott, the rapper, right? Big big yeah. Mickey D's fan, and uh, he I uh, guess 
reached out to McDonald's and was like, hey, here's the things that I get at McDonald's. Let's make it a meal. Make so the Travis meal. Scott meal is a quarter pounder with cheese with okay. bacon in it. With bacon. It's, That's an option? You can do that? You can now. Did he? Was he bringing a quarter pounder home and then frying bacon and putting it on the sandwich? <laughs> I mean, you could do it. You could do it before. Okay, but he took advantage of it. I didn't know there was bacon at McDonald's. It's a already. recent. It's like as a like. I think last year was the first time I saw bacon on a quarter pounder. So it is yeah. a recent okay. innovation. So two animals in one sandwich. Good. <laughs> what what next? Uh, a medium fry with tangy barbecue dipping sauce. Okay. Interesting. I mean. So they force a barbecue sauce on you is what you're saying. You order the meal, you get a barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. You're ordering the Travis Scott meal. You're ordering his meal. You get that, and you get a Sprite. That's the meal. So, t- <laughs> so it's just like a normal combo, but they take your choices away. You <laughs> must get this dipping sauce. You must get this soda. But there's something, I don't know, there's something I like about that. I wouldn't think to get a fry with barbecue sauce, or, or necessarily a Sprite, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't usually get spray. and But, you know, I came home Monday night, long day, tired, hangry. And, you know, what was waiting for me on the kitchen counter? What had my family brought home for Dindin but the Travis Scott meal? <laughs> Did everyone in the family get a Travis Scott meal? Or were they like, you know what John wants, a Travis Every, Scott? Everyone in the family got a Travis Scott meal. <laughs> um, and let me tell you guys, eating that bacon, dipping those fries in that tangy BBQ... Sipping it down with a Sprite, <laughs> all while hot, watching uh, Patty Mahomes slinging on Monday Night Football. It was a good night. It was, it was a good time. It was a little slice of happiness that I needed in my week. And my yeah, my question for McDonald's is: Can you make substitutions? For example, <laughs> I like to get a large soda. Would that be allowed, or do I have to get a medium Sprite with the Travis Scott meal? I don't know, Sean. You're you're fucking with death here. This isn't a good idea. You get the I Travis mean, couldn't, Scott meal. Couldn't you just get a quarter pounder with bacon and fries and just ask for the dipping sauce and get your but large you see, soda? You see, Colin, that's so many more extra steps. Instead of just saying, can I get a Travis Scott meal large? I know. Well, I'm saying just like, what? Oh, like, my God. Why do you is care about the Travis Scott meal if you're not going to get the Travis Scott meal? You should just get what it is or just that's get a good point else. actually that's a good you point. have you guys have just revealed to me the genius of this because travis scott has for god knows how many years now rolled up to the drive-thru and had to say i would like a quarter pounder meal can i get add bacon i would like a barbecue sauce on the side make it medium size i would like a sprite please that's so many things to say at the drive-thru for just a one meal and now he can just say i'll have the travis scott meal and he gets it all that's genius it's not he, he doesn't even need anyone else to get it. He solved the system for himself, and that's perfect. That is, yeah, you're right. He won. <laughs> he won. He won the game. That's really the dream. You know, because this, you know, this also got me thinking. Uh, I had one lingering thought. It uh, made me a little sad that there's no John Otney meal. And... <laughs> And what I mean by that is I'm not I'm not disappointed that McDonald's didn't reach out to me and say, Hey John, what's a John Otney meal? I'm disappointed that if McDonald's did hypothetically ask me, I wouldn't have anything to to give them. Like you know, I go, I get a Big Mac meal, I get a two cheeseburger meal. I don't mix it up in any way. 
And that got me kind of down that I don't do anything unique or creative with my... Well, for us big boys, you could make it a Big Mac and two cheeseburger meal. (laughs) That's true. We'd appreciate that. (laughs) You know, I saw a video where Jack Black said, here's the Jack Black meal. And he took a fish filet and then he Uh put it in between a Big Mac. (laughs) And he called it a mixerf and turf. And he got a large Coke. He's like, I don't... I don't do small or medium. Yeah, I do hell large. Yeah. Um, that's a little worrying because isn't that what Trump gets as well? Doesn't he like the <laughs> fish delight in a Big Mac? The fish delight, yes. Um, but I don't think he puts them in the same sandwich. That's innovation. Yeah, Only but you're right. I can think of that. Uh, but yeah, it, like, it makes me disappointed that I don't really do that at any restaurant. It almost makes uh, me admire Sean that you and your dad do that Jack in the Box hack. Is all call it. Not even a hack. Just ordering extra tomatoes, extra onions. Yeah, on the on the bacon cheeseburger that doesn't have any vegetables. But at least you have it. Like you have your uh, you have the Lemmy burger. You know. Yeah. I need to. Do you mix it up at any restaurant, Colin? Do you special order anything anywhere? No. What about like a pizza topping combination that you think only you like? That's like a non-standard on the menu pizza topping combination. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I usually just go with whatever they have as options. <laughs> I will say, I after living in Philadelphia for a little while, I have figured out my favorite combination of, of what I want on a cheesesteak. And it's Ooh. usually, you got to do American cheese, because even though it's not the best cheese... It's it's just where the the cheesesteak flavor comes from, mm-hmm. and then I get onions, and then I'll usually do hot peppers, which are like the same as pepperoncinis, but for some reason they call them hot peppers out here. Hot mm. peppers. Yeah, that's what I go with. That sounds pretty good. Aren't you supposed to get like cheese whiz on it or something? I mean, that is an option. I've I think I've had it once. It just. It just seems too gross. I can't get now, into the cheese Now, is this the kind of Philly cheesesteak you get from multiple places, or is this the kind you get from one specific place? I've I, I've done it a few different places. Okay, um, so you can't go in and say, give me the huge. Give me the no, Colin. Not yet. De- no, definitely not. <laughs> you you do not want to fuck around with that kind of attitude at a cheesesteak place. Yeah. People will just be like, fuck you, get out of here. Um... Are hot peppers exempt from the uh, ban on vegetables on cheesesteaks in Philly? Does that um, not count? M- maybe by some people's standards. I mean, maybe onions would be, <laughs> by some people's standards, too much of a vegetable. But I don't know. I feel like at most places they offer you onions no matter what kind of cheesesteak you get. So I feel like it's pretty it's pretty okay to get onions. Not Not as much the hot peppers. I think that's a little out of left field. There you go. You got a thing. Yeah. All right. That's my little pick, the Travis Scott meal. This this meal ain't making me go sicko mode. So my little pick is a music compilation. Again, I feel a little bad that for the second week in a row, it's also a music compilation that's not available on streaming or that easy to find, but I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, it's called Save Stereo Gum, a 2000s covers comp. 
it um, came with. Uh, so the the music website, music blog, Stereo Gum has been around for a while. I've never read them that much. They, they've always just been like a lesser pitchfork, but they have some good stuff that I've read. Anyways, they're doing a Indiegogo campaign to just keep their site running, basically. And, you know, I was like, okay, I get a t-shirt if I, if I donate. And I was, I was even more interested in this uh, 2000s covers comp that they were promoting just by looking at all the artists that, that were on it, which were just a bunch of indie artists I like, you know, Waxahachie. Uh, car seat headrest, uh, I don't know, a bunch, LP, Soccer Mommy, Julian Baker, uh, new Oh, so this was like pretty recent. Yeah, no, this came out, uh, I don't know, a month ago or something. I mean, this, oh. I, I'm not even sure how these artists recorded these songs because it seemed like all of this happened during quarantine, and, but most of them sound good. They sound like studio, <laughs> uh, recordings, except for a few, but, um, yeah, there's just a bunch of fun songs on here. Illuminati Hotties doing uh, Lucky by Britney Spears, I really like. Uh, as I mentioned, Carsey Dedrist is a Radiohead cover. Uh, there's a few I'm not as much of a fan of, like Mac DeMarco doing Photograph by Nickelback. But yeah. his voice is like slowed down. <laughs> That's really how he heavily. did his whole first album. Yeah, it's just really creepy and... I don't know. Maybe there's a way of doing a, a decent cover of that song, even if it is a Nickelback song. But um, to that end, probably my favorite cover is Lucy Dacus does a cover of Lips of an Angel by Hinder. And it's quite good. Like, it kind of broke my brain listening to it. Because <laughs> I was like, I really like this song, which is hard to wrap my mind around because it's like the worst song ever in the state that it was recorded by hinder but i don't know her version's just like way more mellow way more like atmospheric and it's just like also very catchy she's really good at covers apparently her cover ep from last year i didn't but i remember you uh made it a little pick i believe i did yeah. oh okay so i've told you about this before yeah so maybe I, I should have checked that out and I wouldn't have been as surprised by this <laughs> top-notch Hinder cover. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not on uh, streaming or anything. I think they're trying to keep it that way, at least for a while, just so people can donate to to Stereo Gum. But maybe it'll be online or maybe some of these songs will show up on YouTube eventually. But uh, So can you still donate to get it or is it just like... I think so. Can... I was kind of poking around uh, before we recorded. I think you can still donate to get it. So um, as you guys are aware, this July we passed a uh, crazy milestone that frankly was one I never thought we would pass in my lifetime, which was we went a full year without a Marvel movie coming out. <laughs> um, and to fill that void, I was looking to Crystal Dynamics, uh, Marvel's The Avengers video game, which was pitched to me as like the greatest game of all time because they're like, what if we made a Destiny game, but with The Avengers? So I was like, okay, I'm in. Sign me up. Um... 
And and I guess I should say, just going into it, you should know that Crystal Dynamics, um, they've been around for a long time. They made Gex the Gecko back in the day. Uh, nice. If you guys remember that. Uh, and uh, and more nice. recently, they had done the 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 Tomb Raider reboot games, um, like Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, I forget what the other ones were subtitled. I think the first one was just called Tomb Raider back in like uh like 2013 um so those are really good like cinematic very like uncharted style uh third person shooters but with a fun story that reimagined this uh character that was i think you know mainly just like a a weird bimbo in the other games um so i was excited to, to see their their take on uh, the Avengers, and uh, I think they wanted to just make a single-player action game because uh, The Avengers has uh, a pretty solid uh, campaign mode where you play uh, as Kamala Khan uh, and the Hulk and Iron Man and Captain America and Black Widow and Thor, uh, and it's a, it's a story about uh, the... Avengers getting framed for a disaster and breaking up and having to come back together and save the world from Modoc of all villains. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, a lot of people like it's it's an amazing story, which I think just is a reminder of how low the bar is for <laughs> video game stories. Because this would be like the weakest Marvel movie <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> um, but like that's solid, and then you get into the end game, which is like theoretically the the meat of the game, where you're like grinding out new gear and leveling up your characters, uh, and that's where you start running into problems. So um, it's a loot like loot is what's driving your your motivation to keep playing, right? And um, loot in this game is purely for stats. Uh, nothing cosmetically changes about your character when you get new loot. Um, and you don't, and it doesn't like fundamentally change gameplay either. It's like it just, you do like more damage or you have more health or whatever. Um, which for me is not a motivator at all. Like, uh, it was kind of the problem Anthem had too. When you get cool loot, you want to like feel like you have something new, right? That's what, that's what makes it exciting. If it feels like you're just playing the same game, but more, it's really boring. Um, and then on top of that, uh, the, the end game levels are very repetitive, like corridors. It's like, it's always like you're in a desert and then there's a base and you just fight robots. Um, they, they miss out on the more exciting set pieces that you had in the, in the single player campaign, because I guess you can't like repeat, you know, the space station blowing up or whatever, because then why are all these space stations blowing up? Um, and then on top of the shallowness of the end game, the, it's been a very buggy launch. Um, so matchmaking basically doesn't work. Um, you're, you're, I almost entirely played the game single player uh, instead of four player co-op, which is clearly the way it was designed to be played. Um, I've had a few like literally game breaking bugs where I had to like turn off my PlayStation. Jeez. Because um, I just got it just got stuck. Uh, including one time when I just turned the game on. I turned the game on, you know, pressed X to, to start the game, and it froze. And, uh, I sat there for like three minutes, and nothing happened. I had to turn the console off. So I've never had a game break that badly. And this, um, 
I think this game was just rushed out because there's there aren't a lot of games coming out in September. Um, it was a, it was an opportunity for them to, to to cash in on kind of a dry spot. I mean, the only competition this month really was uh, the Tony Hawk um, remakes. And uh, and like a lot of these like games as a service games, I'm sure it'll be a lot better in a year when they've had time to patch a bunch of content and um, and fix all the bugs. Uh, it's just disappointing that that's always the the cycle we're in. Um, but yeah, like if you can get this game on the cheap or even like maybe rent it from Redbox or something, I think you'll enjoy the the campaign. It's pretty fun. Like the like the the core gameplay is fun. It's just once you get into the loot and the end game that the game really becomes problematic. Um, and 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 you know, in in a year when they've got a bunch more Avenger characters in it and all the bugs are fixed, I'm sure it'll be great. So that is why my little pick is the Avengers. Is this like a mildly pleased level game, or is this a tier above that? Oh, it's pretty mild. I mean, the bugs are so bad, and the and the end game <laughs> is so shallow. It's it's definitely uh, pushing it back down. Plus, there have been a, a lot of good games this year, uh, kind of despite it all. Yeah. It just it was weird because like, I feel like everyone was talking about this, and then it came out, and then I didn't hear anything about it. Though I wasn't, I guess it wasn't on my radar. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's as a lot of us. I mean, even I play. I play games pretty slow, but even I beat the story in like two days. Um, Jeez. And then I've you know, I've had like a month to try to enjoy leveling up. For me, I, I like Black Widow the best. So I thought I'd try to at least get her to the highest level. And I just my patience is wearing thin. They added a like a a mode now where you can like climb up like a skyscraper of bad guys, and at the end there's good loot. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine a literal skyscraper of people. It basically is. Okay. It, it's just like, but it's just like the same hallway, and then you get to the end of it, and like, you know, it fades out, and then you're one level up. You like, you take the elevator up. I imagine um, though, like, it's made of people, and you're climbing up the people, uh, <laughs> King Kong style. No, it's not quite that. Um, but a lot of people online are saying that they're getting, you know, to like level thirteen or fifteen or whatever, and then the game freezes on them and they lose all their progress and have to start completely over and i'm just like fuck that 13's bad luck (laughs) just get to 12 and then play terribly (laughs) okay i I don't know i'm sort of curious i like that you threw out red box rental because i've done that a handful of times and that sounds like a fun night i might consider that as an option yeah i think you could you could easily get it done also I will say that they never fully got over the Uncanny Valley problem of the characters looking pretty lifelike and also fairly reminiscent of their like Marvel Cinematic Universe actor counterparts, but then having totally different voices. Like Iron Man is voiced by Nolan North, who's Nathan Drake. It's just weird. I just imagine Chris Hemsworth like, oh, what do we do with these stupid kids? <laughs> you Australian eggs? I mean, he kind of is. <laughs> Basically, the whole cast of Critical Role is the the Avengers, <laughs> if you know that podcast. Um, sort of. I know of it, at least. Okay. Fun. All right. It sounds like you get all these things together. You got yourself a pretty fun evening, you guys. I'm just yeah. Saying. 
it's it's not often that we have three picks that you could all potentially do at the same time (laughs) put on some 2000s covers while playing the avengers video games while you got travis scott big mac just sitting on your coffee table and you can munch down on it while you're a quarter pounder con get it right what did i say with bacon you said big mac all right. Well, we talked about the Big Mac a lot and shoving fish fillets inside of it. <laughs> shoving other things Sorry. into it. Yeah. It was a Big Mac of a conversation. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. Okay, guys. So we're talking the Lost Boys. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background, but not too much because I, I want to get into this shit. Okay. So this film began as a spec script by first time screenwriters. Janice Fisher and James Jeremias in 1985. And the producer sales organization somehow found the script, bought it for a cool 400000 Does that even happen anymore? That's awesome. Uh, and then not long after, Warner Brothers got in on the party and were hot to make this teen black comedy vampire film. But the original script was a little different. In the original script, the characters were all around 13 or 14. In fact, Fisher and Jeremiah kind of used Goonies as a model, which is what I read, but seems insane because the script was 85 and Goonies came out in 85. So I guess they just like went to the theater and they're like, okay, let's do this. Vampire <laughs> let's thing. make this. We got this. Um, which is why this film was first offered to, uh, to Big Dickie D, a.k.a. Goonies director Richard Donner. And uh, that's my nickname for him. So, and uh, and an B- Big one. D... Big D was into it. Uh, but he was busy. You know, he'd just done Goonies, he'd just done Lady Hawk, and he was working on a little movie you may have heard of called Lethal Fucking Weapon. Which yeah, isn't the I official have. title of that film, but you get the idea. So uh, then WB, I don't know why, reached out to Joel Schumacher. I guess he'd had his first big hit with St. Elmo's Fire. Doesn't really seem like the Ooh. same kind of film, but I guess they're like, this guy made a hit. He's fresh new talent, relatively. Let's let's offer him the script, and um, he was he was interested in it, and he liked the script. But he said it needs to be sexier and more adult, <laughs> which I feel yeah. like kind of defines. You know, I was gonna say it defines Joel Schumacher's whole career, but then I don't know where you put the Batman movies into those because those are as far from adult as you can get. But they are kind of sexy. They are. They're yeah, sexy. Definitely sexier. Definitely sexy. So he brought in screenwriter Jeffrey Bohm, who also wrote the greatest film in history, uh, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. <laughs> and, uh, well, that was, of course, a little later, though. But it's, um, anyways, Jeffrey Bohm. They aged up the vampires. The, and, uh, yeah. They, they, Except they for one for of them. Man. Except for one of them. That's true. Um, but before we get into this, I have... I've seen this movie three times now, and I have a couple takes on this film that I just want to get out here before we get into it. And um, the first is, I think you can give this movie sole credit for making vampires cool and sexy. Like, you think about vampires before this movie, they're usually like older guys in like cowls and castles. And like, yeah, I guess they're sexy, but not like in a cool way. They're more sexy in like a... I don't know, like like my like my mom finds it sexy. <laughs> yeah, say, like a sexy in like a Burt Reynolds way or something. No, that's a bad <laughs> example. He's pretty sexy, but you know, like classically sexy, not like 
cool. Not like saxophone, uh, no shirt sexy. <laughs> That's a kind of sexy. Um, but, you know, and, and I think this whole vampire's cool, sexy idea, like, we wouldn't have had the Twilight movies. You know, maybe that's not a good thing, but still, like, it definitely shaped, I think, vampires in cinema. Just because uh, okay, you brought up Twilight, and I'm going to forget it. Yeah. There's the part where uh, the Frog Brothers are covered in vampire blood, and then they go out in the sunlight, and they're all sparkly. Is that just a crazy coincidence? <laughs> I think so, because... As far as I know, Stephanie Meyer, author of Twilight, her main inspiration was uh, Interview with the Vampire, which was a book from the 70s, but of course got the hip, sexy 90s film version, which I think only exists because of the popularity of Lost Boys. I don't. I would be surprised if Stephanie Meyer has even seen Lost Boys, but I don't <laughs> know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she has. Maybe she loves it. Maybe she did steal it, but I, have, I, I can't confirm that. But that is interesting. I didn't. I didn't think about that. I didn't notice that. Um, and then my other take on this movie, and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. Um, I like this movie quite a bit, uh, but every time I watch it, I always come to the same conclusion, and it's, I think this movie would be better if it focused more on the Corys instead of Jason Patrick and the Lost Boys. I don't know. Where do you guys weigh in on that? Or do you? I think you're kind of right. I mean, I think it could have done it more like halfway, like giving decent screen time to both of them. Because it does kind of feel like it spends a lot of time focusing on the Lost Boys in the first like half of the movie. And then it focuses a little more on the the younger kids in, in the second half. And it feels a little weird <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing where it, but it, to me, it doesn't feel like halves. It feels like the, the Corey's part of the movie is shorter than the, the setup part mm-hmm. with Jason Patrick where um, like they, they go like pretty quickly from like that early scene where like, Hey, fuck you, man. To like the, they're teaming up and hunting vampires. Um, Without nearly as much buildup as uh, as Jason Patrick's descent into the Lost Boys. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just that I don't find Jason Patrick as interesting as the Corys. It's nothing like I don't think he's bad in this movie. I think he's fine. Um, he's definitely a handsome man. Uh, it's funny though. I like when I was going into this uh, again. I can, I always every time I watch this movie, I always forget who Jason Patrick is. <laughs> So I'm like, Jason Patrick, what else have I seen him in? Was Oh, was he in Heroes? And then I have to remind myself, no, that's Adrian Pazdar from Near Dark, the other vampire movie that came out in <laughs> 1987 that I like. Jason Patrick, this is his biggest definitely thing ever. I Do you know what like I... And- yeah, that's what yeah. I always associate Jason Patrick with, is looking at the DVD cover to Sleepers and it being like <laughs> Kevin Bacon, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman... Brad Pitt and Jason Patrick. It's, it's like, like one of these names doesn't seem to fit with the other names. And he's like front and center. He it looks like he's the main character of the movie, but he's with all these heavyweights and it's like, wow, how did this happen? I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. But he had his he had his moment in Lost Boys and we're going to talk about it. Uh so yeah, 
we uh, we begin in I believe it's called Santa Carla. Not to be. What's the actual location again? Santa I believe it's. Clara. I believe Santa it's. Clara? Well, I think it was Santa filmed Cruz. in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Santa, Santa Clara is also a city in California. It's See, that's why I always get God. so confused about this movie. Where this movie is set. Santa <laughs> yeah. Carla is the fictional town. Okay. How many and, homes uh, does Santa have? <laughs> that was lame. I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> Some great dad humor there. Yeah. We need it. Now, these times more than ever. Yeah. Uh, Good news, yeah, guys. Santa, Santa Carla... Clara reports fewer coronavirus deaths this week, according to Google News. It's well, always good to hear. Trend it down. Yeah, well, you, you let me know when their vampire numbers go down. I'm sure they got a problem there, too. Okay, so, yeah, Santa Carla. It's this cool kind of boardwalk town. It's got a, it's like a carnival by the, the water. Um, and there's these cool teens. I guess they're the Lost Boys is what they are, what they're called. I don't know if that's ever official. Uh, and they, they hang out in this town, and it's Kiefer and Alex Winter, kind of before he got famous, and then two other guys who, who knows who they are. <laughs> but they're super yeah, it's, cool. <laughs> it's so funny because it's clearly just supposed to be three nobodies, but then one of them... One of them yeah, actually went that's on Alex Winter. Stuff. Yeah, how about that? And... They're preying on the people of this town. Uh, I don't remember the opening kill. I don't know, it's like a security somebody. guard who's like, I yeah. told you not to fucking run around on the merry-go-round. And they use a great technique in this movie where they like swoop down. Like the camera's like above people and it comes down on them. Did you guys take that as they're flying or they're like jumping up and then down at you? I think it's, it must have oh. been flying, right? I just assumed they were flying. Yeah, I assume it's still it Peter Pan, Lost Boys, flying. Sure. Yeah, and I like that technique. There's a lot of cool techniques in this movie. Thank you, Michael Chapman. Good work. Uh, yeah, uh, really, kind of this 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 uh this location is a character, as you might say. Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, and I always want like was any place actually like this in the '80s? <laughs> like, is this a hyped up fantasy of what it could have been then, or is this like was there a time where things were actually this raucous? Um, I th- it's definitely heightened a little bit because yeah, this yeah. is a real location, but I don't think they had you know Saxman concerts on the beach every night, and late night video stores and yeah, cool all this late cool night stuff. Video stores. Late night comic stores. It was so weird in that part of the movie where either he goes to the comic book store and then he like goes home and his mom's like it's ten o'clock time for bed. I'm like, what the fuck time was it when he was at the comic store? It was dark. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so. Uh, we get that little that little opening, and then we're introduced to uh, I don't I think they're called the Emersons, and that's uh, Lucy, Diane Weist, and Michael, Jason Patrick, and Sam, Corey Haim, and they're driving from Phoenix to Santa Carla to go live with Lucy's uh, dad, who I think is just called Grandpa, and we get a nice sequence of them driving through Santa Carla to uh, People Are Strange cover Echo and the Bunnymen, very cool. Always got to go with the cool choices. And there's that uh, billboard on the back of it. It says, Murder Capital of the World. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty crazy because this place doesn't seem that big, but, you know, it's probably true because all the vampire bridges. Uh, Which, does that mean this is the only city in the world that has vampires? Are these the only vampires in the world? I mean, 
who turned them into vampires? Who turned the vampire that turned them into vampires? There's other vampires. That would There's be two, quite the Sean, twist. There are two shitty direct-to-DVD sequels to this movie. Did you know Oh, this? okay. So there must be more vampires then. Yeah. There's, I don't think they got anyone back but Corey Feldman. <laughs> and maybe the other guy who plays his brother. Mm-hmm. There's the Lost Boys. The other the, frog brother? The other frog brother. Um, Lost Boys, the tribe. I know it's one of them. And I don't know what the other one's called. Oh, I see. One of them stars someone named Angus Sutherland. How many Sutherlands are there? <laughs> what? <laughs> you think it's just a coincidence? They got someone else with the last no, name Sutherland? no. He's another son of Donald Sutherland. Donald huh. Sutherland has another son born in the 80s. Born wow. in the 80s. When did they make this movie? Uh, well, the Tribe came out in 2008. Oh, God. This is like, yeah, this is like straight to to Walmart. There's one after that, too, called Lost Boys The Thirst. And Corey Feldman's like front center with a headband, arms folded. It's weird that that one's called an American slash South African comedy horror action film. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it was just financed by South Africa. I don't know. It could have been filmed there. You know, sure. There's, there's a few South African movies. Sure. It's, it's possible. Uh, you know, we'll get to those when I pick those next time yeah. in a double feature. We'll get into it. It's got a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to imagine this universe stripped away from the 80s. As well right? as Right? That's such a big part of it. <laughs> as well as youth. Can't really call them boys anymore. But it's got Corey Feldman. Okay, let's talk about Corey Feldman. He is yes. terrible in this, right? <laughs> He's not very good. He's like doing it. a voice. Like He's like, I'm talking like a man now. He's yeah. doing, what the uh, fuck is he doing? He's doing Rambo, basically. He's got a headband. He's doing Rambo. <laughs> I like it. I think it works. I don't dislike it. Because I think Corey Feldman's a good actor. Yeah, he made a choice in this movie, and you're either with that choice or you're against <laughs> that choice. I like, I like these it. characters. I think it's, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm almost willing to forget the voice just because, like, I like these guys. They're They're broad. They're yeah. caricatures. They're not people. <laughs> but it is weird because most of the other uh, people in the movie feel multidimensional. Like they feel more like real people. Even yeah. Grandpa, who's pretty eccentric, feels like a real person. Whereas the Frog <laughs> Brothers are like, no, these are cartoon characters. These are little baby Rambo's. Uh, so yeah, the Emersons they go to uh, live with uh, Grandpa Barnard Hughes. Who we have talked about on a previous episode of The Pick. Do you guys remember this? It was God. an 80s movie. This is Okay, great. Because I knew this guy felt familiar to me, but I couldn't think You're of it. You're going to love it from. once you remember what we saw him in. An 80s pick we made. You picked it, Sean. <laughs> Fuck. Is it Body Heat? It's not Body Heat. Okay. But he also a movie with a lot of cool piercings. A lot of cool yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, is it Tron? It's Tron. <laughs> is he the guy who's like in the capsule, like moving around? He's the guy with the penis hat. Yeah. Barnard Hughes. <laughs> that guy rules. That guy's the best. He rules in this movie, too. He's great. I, mean, I would have never recognized 
that anyone but no, playing but, that character but no remember he had a uh, real life equivalent too in tron like he was like okay. here check out my laser beam yeah. and he was also he had his tron avatar so uh he, he's probably like the fourth or fifth most important character in tron depending on how many uh, david warners you count before him uh but yeah here he's playing grandpa i guess his I don't know if they ever say what his job is. Something with, like... I don't know if it's taxidermy. He makes, like, antlers, I guess. I don't know what you call that job. If that's a job or a hobby. Yeah, he's just really into doing shit with dead animals. Yeah, maybe he's just retired. He could be. I mean, uh, they they do say that a lot of people that live in Santa Carla are, like, retired or, like, ex-hippies. And he definitely kind of has that vibe. Um, Though he's a little intense. Uh... So I don't really remember anything aside from all the antlers. I don't know anything super crazy about him. I mean, he's got his own drawer uh, or like shelf in the fridge for his snacks, but that's not weird. He's just yeah, he likes his root beer. He's fun. Oh, and he uh, he only takes his car like he just like starts the engine. He won't yeah, actually drive it. Ha ha. Right. Um. So then it it doesn't take long till we actually just you know we get some sweet uh, peer action. People hanging out. Uh, we got the uh, we uh, Corey. I almost called him the Corys. We got Corey Haim, Sam, and he goes to a comic book shop, being all cool with his big '80s jacket, saying he's looking for Batman number fourteen. And I feel like there's some line that's like, "That's a pretty rare book. There's only like four in the world." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm always looking out for the other three. It's like, whoa, he's already got one. <laughs> I looked it up too. It's not a rare comic at all. Actually, Batman's uh, sixteen is way more rare. Um, <laughs> just so you guys know, if you're ever in a comic book store. Uh, but still, it's 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 fun. And I I hate the idea of people referring to comics just by their numbers like that. I'm like, ugh, it's it's too nerdy. It, it makes me cringe. Yeah, like I can remember some great comic books. You know, like the death of the Gwen Stacy or whatever. I can't fucking tell you what number that is. I don't know. Unless it's one or two or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I, no, I like it. It's funny, even like because they they already know what he's talking about. Like it's a pretty rare book. They know Batman fourteen. They have it ready, locked and loaded in their head. They they can visualize it. They know it's rarity. Yeah, and there's the there's the thing about the Supermans too, where it's like, oh, you can't put Superman three sixty two over there because he doesn't even know about Red Krypton. Superman sixteen is right. It's like, what the fuck is this shit? I kind of like that. Again, I kind of like that. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's it's good. It just makes me cringe. Sean, these are kids, okay? I know, I know. <laughs> I forgive it. I forgive it. It just makes me uncomfortable because of my because of my own insecurities. <laughs> And they try to recommend to Sam a vampire comic, but he doesn't read horror comics. But they tell him this will save your life. Yeah. And I was and wondering, did they just give it. this to every kid that comes into the comic book store, or did they see something in this kid where, like, hey, you need? This. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that's it. I think they they like this guy's. He knows as much about comics as we do. He doesn't deserve to die. Also. Maybe not a lot of people move there because it's the murder capital of the world. Now, granted, that seemed like that was more of like a kind of like a on the down low urban legend kind of thing. It's probably not like on their postcards or something. <laughs> uh, but still, I do wonder if maybe not that many people move to Santa Carla. I don't know. Yeah. But it's cool. I don't need to question it. I like it. 
Mm-hmm. And so while uh, Sam's meeting the Frog Brothers, uh, does anyone know what the other Frog Brothers' name is or the actor? I feel bad that I owe, never talk about him, but I don't know who he is. The actor is Jameson Newlander. Oh, I see. He was in one of the sequels, so he did. He did come back. Yeah, That's he plays good. Alan Frog. Alan Frog. Cool. Thank you, Colin. Appreciate that. Um, so they're doing that. I should get to what Jason Patrick's doing, but first, um. Mm, I wanted to touch on the video store. Let's do the video yeah, store yeah. real quick. So Diane Weiss, uh, was she looking for a job? Was that what? I've seen this movie three that, times. You think I'd remember? That is exactly what she's doing. Although specifically, she also sees the lost uh, child. Yes. Which I don't remember if that is the vampire child, if that was a setup, or if that was actually just a lost child. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, so she goes in this video store, and we meet Edward Herman as Max. He's dressed in a giant 80s suit. It looks great. <laughs> yeah, so 80s. And this is, I didn't realize, this is the same year Edward Herman uh, did Overboard. So this is this is his year, man. Loving it. <laughs> He's killing it this year. A uh, bigger role in this movie, for sure. Uh He's Max, and he's just he's a likable guy. He owns this he owns a store, and he, he likes uh, Lucy right away. But those dang Lost Boys are wandering around being punks. You don't like it when they're in there. Yeah, he's like, I told you to get out of here. So you're like, oh, this guy, maybe he knows about the vampire stuff. He, there's something about this guy. Right off the bat, we know there's, there's more to Max than meets the eye. Yeah. I'm not setting up that he's a Transformer. It was I just feel like if you say more than beats the eye, you're only talking about Transformers. Maybe that's just my my brain. Um, yeah. Okay, so set that up. And let's, I mean, he's kind of a Transformer. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, spoilers, everyone. Spoilers. Uh, I think it's a spoiler saying Edward Herman is kind of a Transformer. Is... Um... How long has that gimmick been around? The like when a vampire goes to blood suck, they change into a demon face. Ooh, like that. Mmm, demon face specifically, because there's definitely like you watch the old Christopher Lee movies, and like his eyes will get bloody, and he'll get like the teeth sharp, like, but like the he fangs, go, yeah. He doesn't go like they don't have like the prosthetic uh, brow. Like I've seen that in in Lost Boys. It's in Fright Night, definitely, and that's a f- two years before this. Um, but I don't remember Buffy seeing stuff it. Does it? Yeah, and uh, from Dustle Dawn does it. Yeah, I, don't, I can't think of seeing it earlier than Fright Night, but I'm sure somebody must have done it earlier. It's weird because all the vampire movies I can think of from the '70s are just straight up Dracula movies. You know, there's like <laughs> that Franklin Jella Dracula movie. I believe there's a Jack Palance Dracula movie in the '70s. Uh, does Does Dracula and Monster Squad do it? No. He's super handsome. <laughs> He's one of those. Dude, that would be so fucking good. I'm going to watch that soon. <laughs> oh my god, I love Monster Squad. Monster Squad is kind of what I wish Lost Boys was a little more, but it doesn't matter because I have Monster Squad and I have Lost Boys. Both of these movies exist, so I can enjoy them both. Which one's um, older? Uh, Lost Boys, I think, is, yeah, that's because that's 87. I think, I want to say Monster Squad is 88. They're both 87. Holy shit. Oh, fuck. So you tell me Monster Squad, this, and Near Dark all came out in 87. So many fucking vampires. 
And they're also Jul- contemporary. Vampires got so contemporary. Oh my god. This, you could have double featured these two. Lost Boys came out July 31st. Monster Squad came out August 14th. Just two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, but this was a huge hit. Monster Squad was a huge bomb. <laughs> uh, but still. Yeah, definitely could have. And Fright Night, it's definitely earlier. It's weird to me to think that vampires suddenly became contemporary in the 80s. I'm not sure why that is. Because there's also... I haven't seen it. This would be a good pick, but I can't just pick vampire movies for the rest of my picks. Uh, (laughs) There's that 80s movie, The Hunger, with David Bowie, directed by Tony Scott. That's a pretty contemporary vampire movie. Just weird that all of a sudden it's like, hey, what if vampires didn't like live in like Transylvania in a castle? What if they just like lived in your neighborhood and were like cool yeah. and smoked a cigarette? What if they're just cool, sexy, immortal people that hung out on the beach, just like where uh, Jason Patrick, because I forgot his name, Michael, goes to uh, to kind of hang out, kind of mingle, and there's a big concert going on, and it's Saxman, guys. I mean, we already talked about him, but he isn't he the best. He rules. It's one of those things where it's like, did they mean for this to be so distracting? <laughs> it really, it just comes out of nowhere. It blindsides you, and once you see it, you can't look away. Because this movie you want is, more. Yeah, you get a good amount, but you still want more. You want to see the whole performance from start to to end with no cutaways. I also like how there's just a lot of people watching him. And they're all oh, yeah. so into it. Everybody's just grooving so hard to the sex man. I, I specifically remember a cutaway of two teenage boys with their hands on each other's shoulders, with like their faces, uh, you know, facing each other, and then head banging in the middle. <laughs> it's like, is this even the kind of music you do that to? <laughs> I, I still so. believe. <laughs> I think this is an original song by that artist, Tim Capello, the sax man. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he steals the movie for a brief oh, That's moment. good. That means there's probably recording out there I could listen to. Oh, it. yeah. I, I, I listen to it. It's there. It's not just in the movie. Nice. It, um, but, yeah, it's just weird because I don't know. I For some reason, like, the way these Lost Boys dress, I imagine there'd be, like, uh, something cooler or edgy. <laughs> but I don't know. Never mind. Fuck it. Sax man's the coolest. Yeah. He owns this song. I can't believe I ever doubted him. There just God, was no irony in the 80s. Like, you just... Like, everything... You just took it on its face level. And you liked it or you hated it. It's great. Okay. And, um... Michael eyes in the crowd a dark-haired woman. Star, played by Jamie Gertz. I guess Jason Patrick Oof. was pretty instrumental in getting her cast. He's like, she should play this part. Uh, whereas um, Joel Schumacher wanted more of kind of like a Meg Ryan type. But I guess Jason Patrick just had all this power for some reason. (laughs) He turned down this movie like five times. He's like, I don't want to do this movie. But then like, Joel Schumacher, you have to do it. You're the greatest. And he's like, okay. Under his thrall. But another person that Joel Schumacher thinks is the greatest, that he just has nothing but praise for is Kiefer. Kiefer is David, the leader of the Lost Boys. And yeah, he, he is. is he's got a look in this movie. <laughs> How do you guys feel about Kiefer's look as David? It's working for you. Okay, it's pretty good. The thing is, 
It's definitely better than all of the other Lost Boys who just have the longest, grossest mullets you've ever seen. <laughs> like, Kiefer's keeping it, uh, you know, a, a little bit tighter. It's a little spikier. It's got more definition. It's not just long strands of weird curls. I'm into it. Okay. So, I I know I'm guilty of thinking all white people look the same. But... <laughs> you are? Did, did, did Kiefer in this remind anyone else of Sting as Fade in Dune? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't think about guess. it, but it makes sense. There's just something about the look that reminds me of that specific sting. I mean, obviously, he's wearing so much more clothes. Fade was just like in a in a thong, but something about this like his spiky bleached hair. I got the same intensity. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, there's a lot of. Um, arrogant blonde guys in the eighties. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Is it just Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> William Zabka, who we talked yeah. about last week. Yeah, <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> it was a look. So I guess they kind of blur together. Similar types, similar looks. Um, I think Kiefer's owning this movie. I think he looks. His hair is bizarre. I think it's ridiculous. But I like. Sure. I like it. I love his 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 huge jacket. His huge shoulders collars popped a little bit uh he's just so fucking cool and he notices star and uh, michael and he intervenes and i don't know i don't remember how this happens but somehow they're, they end up in a motorcycle race it's <laughs> uh, like come on michael come on michael it's, it's so much peer pressure in this movie and it's so easy michael's so desperate love, to make friends i love that they that they dial the peer pressure up to the point where they literally have a scene where everyone else jumps off a bridge and he does too <laughs> yeah it's like you know if all your friends jumped off a bridge would you it's like well i guess in this movie yeah definitely <laughs> they have a they have a kick-ass motorcycle race um i also wrote in my notes I, around yeah, th- this time another per, a cu- person got killed um, some couple got killed while reading Sad, Sad Sack comic book. Just mm. wanted to point that out. I don't even remember that. I remember that. They're stuff. just the guys just trying to get laid. And then, trying to read Sad Sack. Then like the the hood of their car like just flies open and they scream. And that sweet it. swooping attack. Yeah, love that. It's cool. And. Uh, but, you know, even though Michael loses the motorcycle race, like, this guy's cool. Let's uh, let's go back to our, our hangout spot. And what a hangout spot. Holy crap. They live in basically a collapsed underground hotel. They said there was a, it was a hotel in the early 1900s, and then an earthquake brought it underground. And uh, holy shit, there's like a chandelier hanging in what looks like a cave. It looks like a pirate room. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that is yeah, yeah it, it reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean it looks like a Disneyland ride location yeah that's what I liked in your I saw that in your letterbox review Sean like why can't more movies make their settings look like Disneyland rides and it's like yeah they went all out in this location and uh, I, I did see that the production design was by Bo Welch who did uh, most of Tim Burton's movies so I was like, look, I was aware of that this time. So I was like looking for like, oh, that's kind of Tim Burton. That's kind of Tim Burton. Um, I think also if we're talking about the vampire uh, 
influence of this movie, I, I have to mention that Angel is a is a you know a TV show, and so they have like a main location where people hang out, and that is also a abandoned hotel in California. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, if, while we're on this uh, reference homage train, there's this scene where um, David offers Michael some uh, some rice. And he has me and rice. And he goes, oh, you're eating maggots. Maggots, Michael. And he drops it. Holy fuck. But no, it's just, it's rice. He's just, he's messing with them. But then he's got the uh, the noodles. It turns into worms. And isn't there that joke in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the movie, where they're like, would you like some biscotti? And they turn the biscotti into <laughs> worms. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. I, I, I was never 100% if that was supposed to be. It must be. It must be a reference to Lost Boys. The Buschetti. Yeah, it's, it's a classic prank. Uh, yeah, and I. But I here, was, it also serves a purpose. Yes, it does. He's showing him his powers. I, I love Kiefer in this movie, you guys. I, I saw some comment where Joel Schumacher said like he has the least lines, which is no way true because none of the other guys say anything. <laughs> um, I guess he meant out of the main cast, but I still don't think that's true. He has the least lines, but he makes the most impact. I was like, hell, fucking yeah, he does, man. He's scary. It's funny that Kiefer uh, has been playing these scary villains uh, ever since he was, like, in his early 20s. Like, he's been doing it. It's not like he, like, was a hero actor when he was young. He's always kind of been a villain. Even in the movies where he's a good guy, like Flatliners. I don't know. I mean, I guess... Even in 24. (laughs) I guess there's a couple Disney movies where he's a little more... You know, like Three Musketeers or like Young Guns. But still, like most of his movies, he's always kind of like, yeah, this guy, I don't know if this guy's going to save me or kill me. <laughs> he's just got that sinister intent. And he's so good at it. I think it's so funny that the other Joel Schumacher movie we've done on this podcast is also a movie where Kiefer was the villain. <laughs> yeah. You know, they did four movies together. I don't know what kind of role. Is he a villain in... A time to kill? Oh, definitely. He's a Ku Klux Klan member in that movie. (laughs) So then Flatliners is his lone hero role in a Schumacher movie. Well, but even in that one, it's questionable. I mean, couldn't you say he's like really the hero in Phone Booth? Because he's like writing societies. You know, I I I remember when we did the villains wiki for that episode and both him and Colin Farrell's character had villains (laughs) wikis. So somebody's got to be the hero. Depends on how you look at it. I guess it's the caller. (laughs) Keepers of him is the caller. Uh, So then uh, David, he's got Michael in his hands and he decides he's going to offer him this blood potion. And I guess that's what turns him into a vampire, right? The blood potion? Yeah. I like so he was doing this trick, right? He kept tricking him with the food. Yeah. And so Michael's like, "Okay, it's not blood; it's really just wine." He tricks him again. It's good shit. And yeah, and we learned the rule later on about how that works, which I thought was a fun rule too. I always like it in vampire movies or in any kind of monster movie when they're like, "We're gonna make up our own rules," and in this movie they're like, "We have a blood potion that turns you into a vampire." Uh, it's funny, but, it, ever- but only halfway. Oh, that's right. You're right. But, like, do you ever see anyone get bit in this movie? I don't think so. I mean, when they ambush that, uh, like, gang. 
Yeah. Or whatever whatever that was. Whatever, all those people were partying around that fire. They oh, like dude, go, let's talk about that scene. They go nuts. That scene's cool. I'll get to that pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like they just murder people and rip them apart, but I guess they're drinking their blood. They just so, don't really show yeah. it. Yeah, they were just, I mean, we don't even see them, right? We just see the camera swooping at people. Um, but yeah, drinks a blood potion, uh, not feeling so hot, falls off a bridge. <laughs> it's all good stuff. Just a fun evening. His first, I guess his first evening in Santa Carla. He did a lot that day. I really want to know what happens after he falls. Didn't they fall into water? He falls into mist and then he wakes up in his bed. Mm, maybe they caught him and brought him home. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he can fly yet. But you know, now that yeah, you, you point that out, I'm pretty annoyed by that. They don't show what happens there. That's a big scene. How, where, how the fuck did he get to bed? It's like I'm not gonna go on a tangent, but I will. It pisses me off in a goofy movie. Their car is in the fucking river. They're going down the river. They don't, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? Yeah, they've, they've patched things up emotionally, but you're in a river. Your car's in a river. They cut from that to them driving to the concert. How the hell did they get out of the river? I don't know, guys. I think that movie's got a few problems, some story yeah. problems. I'm gonna, I, I hate to say it because I like that movie. Because it was uh, it was written and by one of the guys who wrote Bill and Ted, who you know has Alex Winter. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michael, he's uh, he ain't doing so hot. Uh, he's feeling weird. The dog attacks him, and mm-hmm. Sam knows notices something is wrong. So he reaches out to the Frog Brothers, and like, yeah, shit, bro's a vampire. Um, but they learn that the only way to make him not a vampire is they're gonna have to kill the head vampire. Which I always like that rule in vampire movies too, even though I can only think of that being in this movie and an episode of The Simpsons. But it's still it's a fun, it's a fun gimmick that people can yeah. go back to the main one. Um, and, and I'll also the rule of like you're not a vampire until you make your first kill, is good. That's a good touch. I like that too. I'm skimming a bit in my notes. After this point, I kind of just would write. Anytime a, a particular scene stood out to me, uh, see that scene. now that's that's interesting, right? Because what you focused on is the Michael part of the movie, even though you said you prefer the Sam part. Just because the there's so much of it, I feel like at least it felt like to me there was so much of it. What uh, what Sam stuff am I skimming over right now? I, 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 well, where I was going with that is I think I like the Michael part of the movie more, unlike you okay. guys. Okay, I think I'm a little that's more fine. into. It is most of the movie. <laughs> if you wouldn't like that stuff you probably wouldn't like this movie <laughs> like i like that stuff i just i just think if we because i love like them learning like uh the rules and then that dinner scene where they inv- uh, have max over like i love that stuff then again i gotta keep telling myself i got monster squad and also fright night has a lot of that kind of stuff too i've got that in other movies Lost Boys is the only one that gives me these guys dressed like 80s rock stars uh, eating worms and going to Saxman concerts. That's, this is the only movie where I get that. <laughs> so, I gotta keep that in mind. But I just, I like the Corys. I like vampire mythology. That stuff's fun. Uh, yeah, my next note is just says slow motion sex scene. 
don't remember how we got to it. Uh, but we got to it. Yeah, he decides to go get Star for some reason. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what's there's Star and there's also like the little kid vampire, and I have no idea what their connection is. Are the is, is that her brother? Is that her son? Does she just no, care because no, it's a little don't, kid? No. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, look it up. Were they? I, I'm not even sure if they were like recently turned or if they've like been vampires for a long time and they just also haven't made their kill. Because it seemed like they had a bit of a relationship with uh, with Kiefer that obviously Michael doesn't really have because he like just met him last night and now he's a vampire. But it's so it's so weird to me. I just don't understand that relationship at all. It seems like something that was maybe a remnant of a past draft that is somehow in the final draft. <laughs> I'm trying to look up the Lost Boys novelization. Holy shit, it was written by Orson Scott Card. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you can get for about eight bucks. You can probably find out maybe if you get that book. Orson Scott Card. Or you can get it for 75 bucks, signed. Oh, you do not want that. <laughs> I'm just making sure that this is this is the vampire one, and maybe maybe it's a different thing entirely. If, if you buy it, please buy it used so that Orson Scott Card does not get money. <laughs> He's pr- he probably put the $75 one up himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's actually... Uh, maybe it just has the same title, which would be weird because it came out after. Seems like a bad choice. Anyways. Um, so Sam learns from the Frog Brothers that vampires have... I, I guess it's referred to as a daykeeper. And their suspicion goes right to Max because he's the only other person. In the movie. I think I think they knew about the dog thing, right? Where uh, Diane Weist went to go on the on the date or whatever, and his dog scared her off. You're right. You're right because they say the daykeeper has like a dog. Is something that they point out in the mythology. Daykeeper also new term for me, but I like it. And I like this dinner sequence, uh, of course. This movie, I think this movie does a pretty... Even though there's only so many people in this movie, I think it does a decent job of... You like you think, but you're not 100% that Max is a vampire. Like It goes back and forth a little bit. And I think it does a good enough job with misdirection. Um, though I think... I mean, if you're a vampire fan, you know that like... I, probably most people know this, that a vampire can't come in without being invited. And that's like the first thing that happens. He's, he's like... He uh, sees Michael at the door, and he's like, "Whoa, are you? You're the man of the house. You can invite me in." It's like, "What? Yeah, yeah, dude. He's definitely a man. <laughs> if he's gonna if right." That's but I think start. I, I think that's so good because you really have no reason to suspect him until that happens. Yes. But then they do all these tests, and he's passing all of them. He's eating garlic. He uh, he has a reflection in the mirror. Like he's doing good. Yeah. So they're like, "Fuck, I don't know." <laughs> I guess we can go ahead to how that's explained later. Didn't they explain that by inviting the vampire in, all the all the tests won't work because you've invited him into your home? Isn't that what they? Isn't their explanation? That's that's what they say, and that's that's like a huge loophole. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine like inviting a vampire in, and then like yeah, you can't kill him or anything because you are so nice to invite him in. There's gotta be more to it than that, right? Vamp. That's a, that's one of the my least favorite parts of vampire mythology is the you can't let them in. It's like they gotta be able well, to get into some places, right? 
Uh, they kind of throw it out in this movie too, because then all the other vampires attack the house and they just I'm break. I'm so in. stoked to talk about all the vampire kills. We're we're pretty close. I don't have much more to talk about before that. Um, my next note was the uh, that sweet vampire attack on the beach. If you guys don't recall, it's set to Aerosmith's Walk This Way. <laughs> That's right. And it looks like it's filmed in the apocalypse. Like the whole scene is like red. And this is where they're taking Michael, I guess, to try and do initiate him. And they're just swooping left and right, grabbing people to walk this way. And it's pretty intense. It's pretty cool. Uh, liking this a lot. Maybe they do the swooping a little too much, but I don't care. It's cool. When is this when they go to the cave? Let's go to the cave. The the Frog Brothers and Sam. They got to go to the source. They got to get the Lost Boys, and uh, they find them there, hanging, just hanging around, literally. I don't know if it I happens like in just... this scene, but I really like it when yeah. they show their little feet like clinging to the bars. <laughs> so you see, that's right. It's not just down. their faces; it's their feet. Yeah, yeah, like pointy little nails them. on their feet. I don't remember which vampires. character does it. But I feel like one was just like, okay, let's just do it. He just goes for it. Yeah. He's like, no, what? Just stabs Alex Winter straight in the chest. Wipes like, him out. They, they're there explicitly just to kill the leader. And like, Alex Winter's probably the one. These guys have not been paying attention. <laughs> well, they're dumb, right? This is how yeah, they talk. Dumb. Talk like Rambo. Rambo's not that smart. All Rambo knows is kill. <laughs> he knows nothing else. It's the only thing they taught him. Killing, using, and breathing. He he said that, you know. John Rainbow easier thinks it's breathing. easier to kill a person than it is to take a breath. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, I don't know. Some other stuff happened. Let's just get to the sweet vampire kills in the house, okay? They're pretty good. Okay. So we got uh, doofus vampire number one. Uh, who they fight in the bathroom, and they fill the bathtub with holy water, and they get him in there, and it's so gory. He goes full skeleton, you guys. I was worried because I couldn't remember that, like, oh, please show the skeleton, please show the skeleton, because he goes down into the holy water bathtub. He comes out, and he's got, like, a bunch of burns. So you're like, oh, man, I don't know if he's going to go full skeleton. But then he goes back under, and he's definitely full skeleton. You also forgot to mention that the dog pushes him into the bathtub, which is a nice How touch. How good is that? Dog pushing a vampire into a bathtub to make him go full skeleton. Yeah. And then we have this spectacular sequence where blood explodes through every pipe in the house. It comes out of the kitchen sink. It blows up the turlet. <laughs> it's everywhere. I love this. There's so much blood. It's so cool. So that's really good. Yeah, I feel like Michael's in another part of the house, and like the blood's flying out of everything. He's like, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> He's got enough on his mind already. Uh, then there's uh, yeah, Doofus number two, uh, uh-huh. who gets not as cool, but still cool. Very '80s. Gets stabbed into a stereo. And what's cool about this is uh, Sam says, "Whoa, death by stereo." <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, I immediately Googled to see if that was the name of a band. It is. And I then Googled to see if that was the name of an album, and it was. It's too good not to be. <laughs> Death's also worth noting, he shot him with a bow and arrow. Oh, yeah. 
Oh my god, it's so cool. And it looks like it's like a little kid's bow and arrow. Too. <laughs> it doesn't look like a hunting bow and arrow. Well, was it the arrow or was it the stereo that killed the beast? <laughs> you're right, you're right. It was probably the stereo. And then we get uh, our next. I mean, this movie's playing it. I guess I don't know vampire rules enough, but yeah. it seems like they're playing it pretty fast and loose with what counts as a stake. They're counting arrows and then later, like, antlers. Yeah, let's get to it. So, Like David, a gazelle's antlers. David and Michael are fighting. They're uh, exchanging blows pretty evenly matched. Flying and around. Flying around. It's cool. And I don't... I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It's funny when every time we talk about a fight on the pick, I always try to be like, okay, and then he punches him, and then he kicks him, and then he blocks it. Like, I have to, like, work out all the choreography in my head. <laughs> we can just jump ahead. A fucking truck comes through the house. It's, uh... No, that's later. That's later. I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping yeah, ahead. You're skipping that's, way that's too far. like the very end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the last five seconds. You're right. It's antlers. It's antlers. It's antlers. from five seconds ahead. It's antlers. Stabs him with antlers. Pretty cool. But they're weird. They're not deer antlers. I'm telling you, they're like a gazelle's antlers. Uh, like, how did this African animal get killed by Grandpa? Okay, but yeah, then... Were you surprised that they killed uh, Kiefer? They didn't, they didn't let him escape? They had such an easy out of, oh, he's not actually the head vampire. They could just let him fly away. Yes, yes, because, you know, this movie really seems like it should have had a sequel. Like, I don't know. Just because it was a big hit, it's got that blockbuster kind of feel. I could have... And it's got the Frog Brothers. I mean, I guess they did make sequels. Uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely surprised that they killed Kiefer like they did. They did him hard. But it's cool. I mean... And, you know, I think this movie, again, does a great job of... I didn't even think about the antlers. It's like, of course they're going to use the antlers later on as a weapon got this whole dangerous room of pointy i'm not sure what antlers are made out of but also like they do this whole thing with the taxidermy where uh grandpa keeps giving um cory Haim taxidermy animals mm -hmm. and there are like every time these scenes come up there are so many opportunities to drop in a jump scare and they never do it because it's the 80s and it's so weird to me <laughs> As a as a modern audience member watching this movie, because I'm I'm like expecting so many jump scares and they just never come. I mean, this movie is not really a horror movie. I mean, it's got vampires in it, and they make monster faces. But aside from that, it's not. I don't think there's a single scary scene in this movie. <laughs> there's some like some gory stuff, but that's not scary. That's just cool. Yeah. I'm not screaming when I see the skeleton. <laughs> God, guys, can I just talk again about how much I love that skeleton? <laughs> I love skeletons. It's it's hilarious in a movie when someone becomes a skeleton. Yeah, we'll see it that often. Because so much damage has to happen for that to occur. It's why John, I love you're Mars a man of extremes. So yeah. You like when people get really, really fat and when people get reduced down to skeletons. <laughs> Both ends of the spectrum. Okay, and he's he's dead. And then, uh-oh, uh big reveal when Max shows up and he's the head vampire. And he makes a scary monster face. And he reveals his master plan was to convert the whole family 
so that Diane Weist would want to become a vampire. And so like the Lost Boys could become the Lost Family. Creepy. That's weird, right? It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, it's, it was all about creepy. the mom all along. It's the uh, Goosebumps 2 plot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. You're right. <laughs> this is proto Goosebumps 2. <laughs> Where Slappy just wanted to have a family. He just wanted a mom. <laughs> I fucking forgot about Goosebumps 2. So good. Yeah, creepy plan. I like that. Uh, but fuck that, because Grandpa shows up in his tr- car that he never drives, but drives through the house. <laughs> it's got like a bunch of wood on it, I guess. I guess there's stakes. There's something. Yeah, I, and I think we saw earlier he was like putting up a fence, and they were like big stakes. So I think they were a little bit foreshadowing this. Oh, so good. And it just fucking one of them just launches off. And just pierces Max right through the chest to the wall. And I'm like, this is really dangerous. This is really reckless. Your family was in there. And you just drove through the house. You don't know where the vampire is. Yeah, he didn't know anything about what was going on. (laughs) He's like, hopefully this hits something. And it hit something, like, perfectly. And it's such a rapid de-escalation. Because we just got this reveal. Like, Max didn't get to do anything as a vampire yet. No. And he, he just gets got. Yeah, huge fucking chunk of wood just wipes him out. And everyone's just in awe. And there's this great sequence where Grandpa just, he walks over to the fridge. He gets one of his root beers out. And he says that, I love this line. It's the best line in the movie. Where he says, one thing I could never stomach about living in Santa Carla, all the damn vampires. And then, doom, 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 people are strange. <laughs> so he and that is, like, I get that that's a great line to end the movie on, but it is so abrupt. <laughs> it is abrupt. <laughs> it's like, so I guess, I guess Michael's back to normal now. We're not, we're, I'm in Star, what's going, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Just... Every other movie in the world would have done a follow-up scene where, like, Michael and Star and, I guess, also the child are, like, better now. And they're, like, deciding what their future is. And, like, co- the Corys are friends and they're hanging out somewhere. And the mom's like, I'm going to take over the video store or whatever. Like, give closer to all these characters. But instead, it's just like, we got the line. It's done. Get out of here. It's like if Jurassic Park just had that shot of after the T-Rex kills the raptors and roars and then just cuts to the end credits <laughs> instead of having them, like, leave on the helicopters. Yeah. You don't have that cool-down like, moment. They probably got away. Things probably worked out. It is a little abrupt, but it's such a fucking good line, dude. And it, it, it works so much better right after he's done it. Right after yeah. he's made the kill. Yeah. But wouldn't it have also worked if there was still just another scene after that? Like, does it take... Does, this, does the line have to be the last line of the movie? Mm, how about he, he says it again? <laughs> He's like, you, you know what, though? You know what I really just don't like about this place? It's all the damn vampires. I mean it. Just, you know, he doubles down on that. Yeah, there's my rewrite. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm okay with it. Like, I didn't... <laughs> All of these characters' relationships are never that fleshed out anyways. It's like I don't think they're really going to make it any more meaningful by tying it up nicely at the end. So it's like, yeah, too many damn vampires. Let's let's get out of here. 
Rock and roll. Rock and roll. And that's The Lost Boys. Shocked this movie has not been remade, but thank God. I'm sure we'll get one at some point. It does say on the Wikipedia page that they purposely did not like make Kiefer Sutherland explode or anything. He just got stabbed because they were planning on doing a sequel. Uh, oh. I guess I guess maybe you could go the route of we didn't stab with a stake, he stabbed with antlers. That's the wrong weapon. Yeah. Yes. And then that other one would still be alive too because he got shot by an arrow and electrocuted by stereo. <laughs> and now he's like comes back and he's always got like a stereo or he's got like no 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 he's got electricity powers. Both. Give him both. Like in Gremlins. Got electricity. He's an electricity vampire. <laughs> yeah, he can turn into a cartoon. The other one's just a sliving skeleton. Stop motion skeleton. And Alex Winter's just gone because he moved on to other things. Yeah, I mean, he he did explode, didn't he? When they staked him, I th- I think so. there's somebody explode. I'm missing an explosion in here. Or he, or he's like exploded. spitting blood up or something. Because they I definitely remember the Frog Brothers come out and they're covered in that blood, and that's why they're all sparkly. Yeah, he he must have blown up. Real good, blown up good. Um, okay, though. That's it. Lost Boys. Cool stuff. Uh, Sean, do you have any goofs for us this week? Yeah, uh, mostly they're continuity goofs on IMDb, but there is a, a kind of funny one. I love it when this happens. Apparently, there's a scene in the movie when uh, Lucy, uh, Diane Weist, calls Max, uh, as played by Ed Herman, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in movies when they actually call him by the real name. And then nobody notices. And nobody notices, and it makes it into the cut. That's great. I love that so much. It's good stuff. Um, okay. Um, I guess I should do a John's Rose Gallery, right? I mean, there are rogues in this movie for sure. Uh, I don't know if these ones are going to be particularly funny, but hey, you know, got to do it. Got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this segment is. John's Rogues Gallery. You know, I can't do that anymore ever since the first time I did it. Because I'm, I'm trying to do the, the Peter Gunn thing. But Sean thought I was doing Mortal Kombat the first time I did it. And now I can't do it without thinking about Mortal Kombat as I'm doing it. I, it's forever ruined it. I have to fight myself to not do Mortal Kombat. So Test your might. Test your love that movie okay let's we got a couple let's go with david first david lost boys full name unknown i mean his name's david what else do we need alias none origin the lost boys occupation second in command of a group of vampires i mean you can't really make any money that way but i don't know i guess they probably rob people power skills flight superhuman strength Immortality, illusions, and charisma. I guess, yeah, power <laughs> persuasion. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hobbies, terrorizing the town of Santa Carla, and swooping human victims off the ground from the air. <laughs> it's a great way to pass the time. Goals, turn Star and Michael into full-fledged vampires. Hell yeah. yeah. Crimes. Serial murder. <laughs> yeah. Stalking. I like it when like the 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 lesser one is after the really bad one. <laughs> Kidnapping. 
and siring other vampires. Ooh. It's, I mean, I guess, is that really a crime? Yeah, some people want to be vampires. Yeah. I didn't get that anyone in this movie did, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. It should be like siring other vampires like against their will or something. Yeah. Do you think vampire law exists? I mean, it does in uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, I do think vampire law is a thing in all vampire uh, mythology. But these guys, movie. they don't abide by it. They're, they're outlaws. Oh, no. Yeah. They're the Lost Boys, man. Uh, this is the part where I ask you guys if you can guess the type of villain. This is always impossible. The Sean got it once. Can you name yeah, what you type me- of villain David is? You, you mentioned he was second in command, so I think they're going to play that up. I think it's going to be Vampire Lieutenant. Anarchistic Vampire. Anarchistic. Ugh, it went it the sucks. other way. It okay. sucks. <laughs> Whatever we come up with, it's always better. Okay, it's, let me pull up... I was going to pull up Max's, too. We should do Max. Okay, yeah. He's, he's the main I wonder guy. how much of an anarchist he is. Because he seems to... I guess he is kind of rebelling against Max's leadership. Okay. Max, Lost Boys. Full name, unknown. Alias, Max, the head vampire. Uh-huh. Origin, the Lost Boys. Occupation, leader and master of group of vampires, including David, and owner of a video store. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dual threat, you guys. Mm. I mean, it's true. Gotta, gotta stay in business somehow. Uh, power skills, superhuman strength and agility, flight, immortality, and charisma. Gotta have that charisma. Yeah. Hobby. Let's meet know, the just, just feeding on blood. I'd say his hobby is also like flirting. Yeah, he's looking for love. And being a friend, because he says to Sam, "I don't want to be your dad. I just want to be your friend." Oh. But he did want to be his dad. <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, goals. Get Lucy Emerson to be a mother for his lost boys. Crimes. Serial homicides. <laughs> Siring vampires. Hostage taking and treachery. Classic. Okay. Type of villain for Max the vampire. <sighs> Yeah, mysterious mastermind. Mastermind's a great word, but you got to get vampire in there. Vampire mastermind. Yeah. Uh, it's vampire leader. God, which so close. Sucks. <laughs> you guys are close. Good job. And that's John's Rogues Gallery. And that just about does it for uh, for the Lost Boys. So I think it's time for us to talk about uh, the next pick. Sean, you have the next yes, pick, correct? I do. And this is a movie, I think it's the movie John recommended to me longest ago that I still have not seen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure John told me to watch this movie in like junior high, and I've never gotten around to Uh-oh. seeing it. Uh-oh. Junior high John is a different person from you know, today, John. We're going to have to see uh, if your recommendation holds up. Uh, it's a movie, it's, a, it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Stars Christopher Walken. I'm keeping us in the 80s. It's 1983's The Dead Zone by David Cronenberg. Oh, cool. I was afraid there for a minute that you were going to pick The Prophecy because I already did that on an episode of Stream Police. 
But but we saw the prophecy. Yeah, I saw it with you yeah. first time. Isn't okay. it, Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Dead Zone since junior high. Isn't that also a Jeffrey Bohm script? Whoa, 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 whoa. Which one? <laughs> the Dead Zone? Dead Zone. Holy shit. Is it true? is. Back to back Jeffrey Bohm, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to drop the Bohm this shocktober. That's crazy. That was totally. Was that? I assume that was un, that was not intentional, right, Sean? Yeah, I just knew Stephen King. I had no idea. Yeah, no. This will be great. This is going to be a f- super fun time. This is Cronenberg. This is a Dino De Laurentiis movie, so it's got plenty of violence. <laughs> it's, got, it's got Tom Skerritt. Class, very underrated Tom Skerritt. Martin Sheen. I don't know why I went with Tom Skerritt before Martin Sheen, but it's got them both. <laughs> This will be fun. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time, but it's a good movie. I feel like we've either at this point written about or talked about like every Cronenberg <laughs> movie. Seriously. Because like, I did a Cronen... Oh my god. Because th- the first two Cronenbergs, one was a stream police, the other one I wrote on the blog. We've done The Brew. We've done. Uh, we've written about Videodrome, Scanners. Dead Ringers. Uh, I did a review. Dead of. Ringers. I saw you that crash is coming to Criterion, so that'll be for sure the next Criterion <laughs> month. We're just going to end up covering his whole career. Crazy. Sean, even back in the day, Sean wrote an Eastern Promises review. Like, <laughs> the first like, wow. couple of weeks. Some plug. <laughs> We've, he's probably our most covered director by far on, on our site. That's great. It's a lot to choose from, apparently. <laughs> And if you if you want to check that out, check out our website, mildlypleased.com. You can also check out this podcast um, by searching, uh, my, I guess, Mildly Pleased. You probably can't search the pick um, anywhere where you can find podcasts. Shocktober's coming up. Shocktober's coming up. I still believe that Shocktober is coming up. Check out our Shocktober. We're doing television shows. We're going to do uh, spooky television shows for Shocktober. And, uh, you know, it's a good place to hang, to read some posts, to listen to, to stuff. Uh, it's a place where, you know, people are strange. 